let's work it. And welcome to Work It, a UVic career exploration podcast. My name is Katie, and I'm a writer and communications professional who recently earned my MA in English from UVic. I'm here today with my co-host, Emma. Hi, everyone. I'm Emma and a recent co-op graduate. So excited to be here today for another episode. Before we get going, I want to acknowledge that we're recording today at the University of Victoria, and we acknowledge with respect the Lekwungen peoples on whose traditional territory the university stands, and the Songhees, Esquimalt, and Wasanich peoples whose historical relationships with the land continue to this day. One thing I've been thinking about recently as I've been able to actually go outside, it's spring now, is how lucky we are to live in a city with so much opportunity to be outside in nature with the land. And I've been thinking a lot about what that means for me as a settler and an uninvited guest here. I feel incredibly grateful and privileged and I want to honor the people that have cared for this land since time immemorial. Today, I'm incredibly pleased to welcome Dea Johal to the podcast. Dea is an alum of the Master in Global Business Program here at UVic, who now works for the provincial government of British Columbia. She found her way to this career path after completing a co-op work term with the BC Public Service. We're super excited to chat with Dea and learn more about how she arrived at UVic and how her career has progressed since graduating. Hi, Dea. It's awesome to have you with us. Hey, thank you so much. Super excited to be here. And I definitely feel you about spring being in the air and uh, excited to chat with you guys today. There is something that is just a hard reset on my brain and well-being about just being able to go outside most days of the week and like see a flower maybe even. I really feel that as soon as the sun comes out, I'm like, oh, yes, I feel alive again. It's, <laughs> it's really like a low bar, but... <laughs> So Dea, uh, I want to just before we jump into things, get to know a little bit about you, your career journey, where you started and where you're going. As a student at UVic in the Master of Global Business program, you participated in co-op. So you were doing work terms alongside your academic studies. And I'm wondering if we could hear a little bit about your career journey from your first co-op job with the BC Ministry of Agriculture and Food and how that led you to what you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So I studied in the University of Victoria's Master of Global Business program. So it's a full-time 12 to 16-month program where incoming students can choose between four different paths. And each path allows you to do exchange semesters to different universities, which provides you a really unique lens on a global perspective and international learning. So I was enrolled in path three of the Master's in Global Business program, which meant that my terms were focused in the lovely UVic, but also with universities abroad in Austria and Peru, which was amazing. And after you complete the exchange semesters as part of the MGB program, the last stage is completing a mandatory co-op term. 
And being able to do an internship was actually one of the primary reasons why I chose the MGB program, because I know that especially sometimes as new grads, it can be tough to find that first role when you're starting off in your career. So I was excited to have access to the co-op center at the Gustafsson School of Business at UVic. And they have strong ties in Victoria, which is BC's capital city, which means strong ties to the provincial government, which was an added bonus in helping me find my co-op job with the BC Public Service. So since elementary school, I think I had always actually been interested in pursuing a career in government. And that's why when I was actually in elementary school, I opted for the late French immersion program to learn French, which is one of Canada's uh, official languages. So I think the idea of working for public service was always there for me, but it continued to interest me as I completed my bachelor's in commerce. And then I started to work at Vancouver Airport Authority after that. And then I went on to do my master's at UVic. But this idea of going into government was still always in the back of my mind because I learned through my volunteer work and through my other work experiences that community relations has always been of interest to me. So by working with the government, I really see it as a way to do something meaningful for the community and at the same time get paid for it, which is always a bonus. So that being said, I had also kind of heard rumors that being in a government job would be really stuffy or slow. So I knew trying out an internship would probably be the best way for me to try out this career and see if it would suit me. You're doing like a vibe check. Exactly. I feel like the best part about like co-op is that you can find out what you like, but almost equally or more importantly, you can find out what you don't like as well because co-op is usually a four and eight month term. So it's the perfect amount of time to get a taste or like you said, a vibe check on an organization. Through the UVic co-op office, I actually landed an internship with the BC Public Service as a market development officer for the Ministry of Agriculture. This was an awesome role where I worked on the Buy BC program, which supports and promotes local BC restaurants, farmers, food producers. So when you're at a grocery store or out at a transit hub, you might see ads for this Buy BC logo. And it was so cool because that's exactly what I worked on. And after that, I was hooked. Uh, from there, I was able to find a short-term contract role within the Ministry of Agriculture as an agri-innovation officer and studied all things BC tree fruit related, which was super cool. And since then, I've had the opportunity to experience multiple ministries and roles within the provincial government, working as a project management analyst for the Multiculturalism and Anti-Racism Division within the Ministry of Attorney General. I've also had the chance to work as a strategy officer for the Ministry of Jobs. And now in my most recent role, I'm a senior program developer for the Innovative Clean Energy Fund in the Ministry of Energy. So it's definitely been quite the journey, but I've loved every single role. The public service has passed the vibe check for me. That is awesome. And I love hearing 
you describe the diversity of types of roles that you've gotten to do in your time with the BC Public Service. It's just very good to know, I think, that even if you're staying with one organization for a period of time as a new grad, like you do have that ability to do different things, flex different skills and like always be learning. I'm so curious. You mentioned that like from your first co-op job working on the BC program, you were hooked. What was your favorite part about that co-op job or the moment that you felt, yeah, this workplace might really be for me? I think that's something I really enjoyed from working on the BC program was definitely seeing what I was working on out in the wild. So seeing that I was working on the logo licensing applications for these awesome companies that were based in BC that were looking to use the BC logo. And then after work, I would go to the grocery store and I would see those products out on the shelves and found out that that I was already enjoying a lot of those delicious products or a lot of those awesome fresh fruits that come from BC. So when I was able to see the connection of this kind of government paperwork that I was doing, but then actually see what it translated to in a real life environment, I was like, wow, I'm actually working on something really cool. What a unique opportunity to directly see the impact of your work out in the community as you're doing it. That must have been such a rewarding feeling for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it definitely isn't the case in every government role where you get to immediately see the impacts of your work. A lot of government work can be policy related or can take a long process in order to see the light of day. But in this case, it was very rewarding in being able to see the impacts of that already. I really get that. Like as somebody that works in comms, I'll go to work and I'll be setting up the parameters for this social media ad. And then I'll go home and I'll be wasting my time on Instagram. And there it is advertising to me. And I'm like, hey, that's me. I made that. (laughs) And you know, it's working because it showed up. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) The people are hearing my message. Man, that is so neat. So you've done a whole bunch of different roles then for the BC Public Service. What was it like moving between those roles? Like what was the flow as you went from one role to the next? So within the public service, there are a bunch of different ministries and each one has its own vibe One of the reasons why I was able to jump from one role to the next was that the government has a slew of opportunities, but they're often posted as what's called a temporary assignment, which means that for one reason or another, there is a semi-short-term opportunity available for someone to come and backfill or work on a new role. And so through these temporary assignments, I was able to jump into a whole bunch of different work, which allowed me to not stay stagnant. And when a lot of people think of working for government, they think that, oh, you're stagnant and you're there for life. And so I can see why now some people can say, oh, I've worked for government for X amount of years. It's because once your foot is in the door, There are so many opportunities to try new things. 
That's awesome. I'm curious, as you were getting these opportunities to work temporarily or do backfill and hopping between these different types of roles, was there anything unexpected that you learned or any opportunity that you didn't anticipate in one of these roles that you took on? I think something that I didn't anticipate was originally going into government. I thought that these roles would kind of be a bit slower paced, but I think when I actually joined them, I learned that there are always changes in government, changes in leadership, new processes or deadlines to meet in order to keep things going and moving and shaking. So I think something that I didn't anticipate was actually how fast-paced and and fun careers in government really can be. Again, I had heard rumors that they are usually a bit of a slower pace, but although the work can stretch over a long period of time, I didn't expect the day-to-day to be so different. And honestly, I think that's what has kept me intrigued and curious and excited to keep learning and try new things. What a nice thing to feel when you go to work to be excited about each new day, knowing that there's going to be something exciting or something different. And it kind of makes me wonder, because you mentioned that you were interested in this since elementary school. So you had your heart set on on working for the government for a while. When you were that young, did you have an expectation for what working for the government would be like? And was it the same as what it turned out to be? Or was it a completely different experience for you? I think when I was younger, I did have a bit of a different idea. I think at that time, because I was studying French, I was thinking more of the opportunities to work in federal government, which to my understanding would be different than working with provincial government or municipal government. So I think obviously at that time, I didn't have an awareness of how different each level or layer of government may be. And also at that time, I was already interested in travel. I was interested in learning about new cultures. And I thought that one way I could achieve that in the future when Dea was a grown up would be by, for example, learning French and then joining a government job overseas, like at an embassy or a consulate or something like that. So to me, it honestly had a a bit of that really cool travel vibe of representing what our country and Canada stands for in different locations. But now I have gone into provincial government, which means I get to stay right here at home in BC, but have learned that there are still so many opportunities to connect our province to the world or to kind of make that interesting, fast-paced impact that at the time I thought would only happen if you were outside of the country. But it's like, nope, right here at home, we can do a lot of exciting things too. You are going to be like the Anthony Bourdain of Canadian government, just like Globetrotter Dea. (laughs) I really love that. (laughs) Before we kind of move on, I'm wondering if you can give us just like the elevator pitch of your current role in the government. That's hard knowing that each day is a little bit different, but... I know because every day is different. Yeah. Yeah. If you could give like a summary of what you would say to somebody who was going to step into your role, what would you tell them? 
As a senior program developer for the Innovative Clean Energy Fund, you get to make magic happen for clean tech and clean energy companies near you. Oh my word, this is amazing. I'm like, I know nothing about technology. I haven't done a science in years. I don't know anything about business and you've sold me. I'm like, where can I get this job? Sign me up. Like, let's go. That's awesome. So you mentioned that before you did your Master of Global Business at UVic, you got your degree in commerce, studying marketing and international business. And so you've done these two business degrees and now you're working in the public service for the government. I'm curious about how the skills that you learned in these academic programs studying business now play a role in your work where maybe it's not what some people would envision as the traditional pathway for a commerce degree. You might not remember everything you've learned in an accounting class or the exact formulas, but what you do learn is how to understand what is happening, what needs to be done in order to make something amazing come to life. You pick up on professionalism and through these types of programs, at the time you might think, oh, why am I taking a career course on how to shake someone's hand or how to do writing? I've been writing my whole academic career. But it really is so valuable to practice and work on your your business writing because that's something that would follow you into any role that you're a part of, whether you're a researcher or a program manager or an analyst. Drafting those emails, those memos, those reports, it's a skill that will follow you anywhere you go. So I would say that these business degrees teach you how to embody that and portray that confidence and carry those skills with you. Thank you. Let's switch gears a little bit. I know you talked a bit about your Master of Global Business and how you started your career with the BC Public Service. But you did that in the middle of a global pandemic. And I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about your experience switching into pandemic mode. This one hits hard because finally enough, I originally chose the MGB program at UVic specifically because I did not want to do online learning. No! I know! Oh my goodness. I was like, I'm going to take a full year off. I'm going to do a full-time program and I am going to just immerse myself in this. So it was honestly just the biggest blow when the global pandemic hit. And basically, I had completed my term at UVic, which was the first term of the program. And we were one week away to heading to our next exchange semester to Austria, when the borders all shut down and the program basically switched from being uh, an exchange to being an online exchange. So it was definitely quite the experience going through such an international program during a global pandemic. But at the same time, lots of silver linings, lots of resilience, lots of learning opportunities. And UVic was able to quickly pivot the program. So before you knew it, We were still having our classes with the professors that were located at those partner universities, 
which sometimes meant some awkward class timings because you're dealing with time zone differences. Oh, yeah. Europe and South America. So thankfully, I'm an early bird. You're like, sorry, I can't go out tonight. I have class exactly, at five in the morning. <laughs> exactly. So in that way, the global pandemic was like, okay, at least the time zones, I have nowhere to go. Hey, I can do class at 5am and go and take a nap later because this is the world we're in right now. <laughs> oh my word, that's devastating. Yeah, but it definitely provided silver linings in the sense that it allowed for a different, unique learning experience. And it also kind of allowed us as a cohort to really jump into what is now the the future of work, which is virtual work, hybrid work. Um, It kind of gave us that first taste of what it's really like to work, study, and have those meetings virtually, which previously people really thought you had to be there in order to experience it or in order to have that meeting. So going through this program during a global pandemic, I think really showed me that you still can build connections and create engagement and have an interactive experience, uh, even if it's online. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, as we see so many workplaces incorporate hybrid or even like full-time remote work, I've been thinking a lot about how at the MGB and with your experience, a big component of that program is building the capacity for intercultural communication and relationships and connection And I'm wondering if you have any tips for people who are working virtually part of the time or all of the time in fostering a community and a positive culture when connecting with each other virtually. Yeah, definitely. My first tip is don't be nervous about it. We're all going through the same thing at the same time. So if you're not used to leading a presentation while sharing your PowerPoint deck, but also having a videos of people on the side of your screen and not sure when to click the raise hand button and when to use the mute button. Don't be nervous. Everybody's going through this same learning curve as you are. Yeah, literally, I don't think anyone knows how to do that. I know. It's so funny. You'd think that after a little while, we'd get the hang of it, but it still happens where you have the awkward, somebody thinks they're muted, but they're not. Yep. I would also say tips that I have for people who are working virtually, but really do want to foster that community. I know sometimes it can feel really exhausting having your camera on all the time. And I definitely believe in the phenomena of like Zoom fatigue and stuff like that, where just always having your camera on can be exhausting, especially if you do have a lot of meetings that are online back to back. But that being said, I do find keeping your camera on when appropriate and when you have energy for it does keep the engagement alive and does kind of remind you that, okay, like these are real people on the other side of the line. And so trying to keep the camera on when I can has been a helpful tip. In addition to that, something that I found has worked really well has been 
icebreakers. I know a lot of people aren't about all that small talk, but now that we are in a virtual environment to foster that community, those relationships, that positive culture, I have been that girl who has joined a new team, who has these weekly team meetings, and I'm like, guys, we need to spice this up. And so I have found that having these cheesy icebreakers has been a game changer. And it's something that I have brought to every role, every team that I've jumped to. And it has made every group project or every weekly meeting so much more fun, but also kind of fosters that personal connection that you don't get when you just pass someone by the kitchen or something when you are at the office or at work or something like that. So some of the icebreakers that I've done that I have found have been really fun, have been as simple as asking like, oh, are you are you somebody who prefers uh, cold or hot? Are you a morning person or an evening person? Or some more fun ones I've done have included a tiny bit of homework, which have been doing personality quizzes, like ask your team to do a color quiz on what color their personality represents, or to do a quiz on what their Myers-Briggs personality type is. and I'm really into horoscopes, numerology, that kind of stuff. So I have also come into teams and been like, okay, let's do this icebreaker. What is your horoscope? And let's see how compatible we all are working with each other. Yes. Yes. That one has always been my favorite because it's also my sneaky way of finding out when my coworkers or my fellow students is birthdays are and then that way I'm able to kind of uh, celebrate that and we get to still kind of have that fun even though we're virtual or online we get to still celebrate those together so definitely highly recommend making time even if it's just five or ten minutes at the beginning of a meeting for an icebreaker that's such a great idea I love that and I am also a big astrology person Uh, Very much in the reverse, when somebody's birthday gets announced at our office, I'm always like, oh, interesting, Uh, Capricorn. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just I just love to know everybody's sign. I'm a Gemini girl through and through. I'm a cancer the crab Scorpio (laughs) you can tell this is a podcast full of Gen Z's right now. (laughs) Just the youths love astrology. (laughs) Okay, well, then let's do a couple of these questions with you. Now that you've introduced some fun ideas, let's ask, are you a cold or hot person? I prefer the cold because I feel like you can always add a layer on. And this is how you can tell that I was definitely born in Canada, I think, because I'm like, yep. Definitely prefer the cold. Got my electric blanket, got my fuzzy socks. But if I'm hot, after you peel off those layers, like you're just stuck in that skin, you know, there's, that's it. There's no more layers to peel off. So absolutely cold. Do you feel the same way about your drinks? Like if you go to Starbucks, are you a cold brew or are you a hot latte kind of person? Oh, okay. This is interesting. I am always into the hot drinks. Even if it's a hot summer day, my grandma has this saying that heat kills heat. So we will drink 
hot Indian tea in the summers in order to kill the heat. So doesn't matter if it's a hot or cold day, always drinking the the warm drinks. You know what? I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that this summer. (laughs) Just think of Grandma (laughs) Joe Hall and be like, okay, heat kills heat. Here we go. I think that really leads into another key issue that comes up when folks are working remotely, which is it's so easy, I think, when we're working virtually to miss out on the breaks that are sort of built into your day when you're working in person, passing someone's open door or inviting someone to grab a coffee with you. And even when we're working at home, it's easy to get totally subsumed in what we're doing. It's so important to practice self-care and work-life balance and boundaries and connecting with the people you're working with, like as humans and as peers and colleagues, I think it really contributes to that and reminds us that at work, like we're all people and we all have needs and, you know, it's not always just nose to the grindstone eight hours a day. For sure. Something that our Austrian students from the partner university did was that we were all really bummed out about missing out on the opportunity to go on exchange to Austria. So what they did is a virtual tour for us of the campus where they printed out the photo of our cohort the group photo that we had taken before all this pandemic nonsense was announced. And they literally made a video carrying our class group photo all around the campus and filming it. And then it was just the cutest thing ever. And although we didn't get a chance to go to the Austrian campus, it just made such a big difference. And it was so sweet and so sentimental and Now that's a memory, like that's a video that we all get to keep uh, forever of them carrying around that corny class photo. (laughs) That is adorable. I love that. That's adorable. so cute. And that totally fosters that community aspect because I think that's something that appears really important to you in the work that you've been doing. And that's another question that I wanted to ask you is in your work, what fuels you? Like what inspires you? I think what inspires me is definitely that I do find meaning in my work. I do find the community within my coworkers. I find community within the work that I'm doing and how it impacts residents of the province now that I'm working for the government or how what I do or say or share impacts others. So I definitely see that human and personal connection is what inspires me, even though we're in this virtual world a lot of the time nowadays. I love that. Totally. Yeah. Um, Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. You've had a lot of interesting opportunities, whether that's abroad or meeting people from abroad and you're multilingual. How many languages do you speak? I have always had a passion for languages, which is why I've studied multiple languages. I've studied French, Spanish, I've taken Mandarin, Japanese, I've studied German. I also grew up proudly surrounded by Punjabi, Hindi, and of course, English as well. But when you don't use them, you lose them. 
which is why sometimes I hesitate to say, oh yeah, I speak this many languages because I know that over time, my ability to speak or understand them goes down unless I start using them again. But love, love, love studying language. And that's always been a hobby of mine. I really feel that I have like worked in French full time and I definitely can get by. But when people are like, do you speak French? I'm like, oh, that's kind of a strong word there. Speak. I don't know about that. (laughs) (laughs) Has knowing these different languages ever come in handy for you in your work or just at any point? I'm kind of curious if you have any stories about, you know, needing one of those languages when you're communicating with someone. I would say that within my work, but also even within daily interactions of just living in such a diverse community here in the Lower Mainland, um, or also even as a student while I was at UVic, you're literally surrounded by people from all walks of life all over the world. And even if I only knew a word or two in a certain language, it completely changed the dynamic that I had with someone if I showed that I was open and curious and willing to try to kind of speak their language as much as possible. And so I think that just being open to learning even a few words here and there has such an impact on how we connect and engage with others. It also kind of shows that respect that you have for other cultures and creates a sense of connection. So I've definitely found that learning multiple languages has been hugely impactful in how I interact with others, how I build friendships, how I travel, and how I am able to work and connect with others day to day. That is so cool and admirable. I really need to work on my Spanish more. (laughs) Gotta get that Duolingo. It really resonates though, especially around travel. Like when I was traveling in Mexico, putting in the effort to learn how to say like, could I please have the bill, but in Spanish or to say like, hello and thank you. It's so valuable in connecting with other people. And no matter how much you struggle or you feel like you might be pronouncing it wrong, I think that it's a moment of connection. And my sense is that learning different languages is another opportunity for challenging your worldview and learning about other cultures because so much of how we perceive the world and our culture is embedded in our language and how we speak. I'm definitely on board with you on that. At the end of the day, it might sound cliche, but uh, there's one language that really has no words. It's laughter, smiles. Yes. Any any place you go, anyone that you interact with, uh, they'll always kind of speak that language of, of warmth. And so that's also something I always just try and keep in mind. I think building on that, your experience as a language learner, a multilingual person who has a passion for continuing that learning I would love to hear a little bit about how you approach relationship building in diverse environments, whether it's in your travels or in your work or your experience as a student. What like guides you in those scenarios? What do you try to embody? In those scenarios, I definitely think I try to embody being open-minded, being curious, 
and just remembering that smiling, laughter, food, those are all things that connect people no matter what background or what language you speak. And so those are often uh, how I approach relationship building in different environments by kind of building a foundation uh, around that first. Food is such an important one to me personally. (laughs) It really works on me. (laughs) No, that's beautiful advice for anyone who's building a relationship with anybody, different language or not. And so evidently diversity is a really important thing to you. And it kind of leads into some work that you've done on programs like the Multiculturalism Grants Program and the annual Multiculturalism and Anti-Racism Awards Ceremony. What have you seen change in how workplaces approach equity, diversity, inclusion, and racism? Yeah, I feel positive that we've taken the first steps, but there's still a long way to go. I think in the past, there has been a lot of focus on the fun aspect of multiculturalism, like the festivals, the food, the colors. But I do think we're taking the right steps that now we're also focusing on the more serious aspects that come to light when you have so many cultures around each other in terms of now focusing on not only multiculturalism, but anti-racism as well. So that being said, I'm so glad that these important matters are really getting the profile that they deserve and that the stigma around having these types of discussions is starting to fade. And instead, it's being embraced and brought to the forefront. So I think that the change I see in the future is we continue to have these conversations and continue on the path of this important work. Thank you so much. Something that I think you have embodied, both in your experience as a language learner, your experience throwing yourself into multiple different job opportunities with different ministries and different job descriptions, and your continuation from your bachelor's and on to going to graduate school is like clearly learning is something that is very, very close to your heart and something you really bring into your work and your life. I would love to ask, what does lifelong learning mean to you? How do you bring that lifelong learning to your workplace? To me, lifelong learning really means continuous improvement in myself. So it's really being open to change, being curious, being open-minded. And I don't think that's something I'll ever be able to shut off. So I definitely feel that embodying that lifelong learning is something that will continue. Totally. Yeah, I guess it's like there's not a a moment at which you've like mastered open mindedness. You're like, I have (laughs) I've learned all there is to know about curiosity now. I can leave that in the past. It's a it's really a daily thing and a, a practice that you bring everywhere you go. I think that's really beautiful. Absolutely. And for people, especially students that are maybe graduating and they're interested in going into the BC Public Service or working for some branch of government, is there anything that you would advise them or would say to them to encourage them on their on their way there? Some advice that I would give is to definitely explore what is out there. The government has so many different ministries, so many different roles that there really is something for everyone. So I would encourage you to keep an eye out. 
I would also say that sometimes a job description can be a bit of a wish list or may not actually encompass everything that you might be doing in a certain role. So I would recommend that you connect with the person who's listed as a contact as a job posting to learn more. I would also say be confident that you have what it takes, even if it seems like there is a lot loaded into a job description. If you're able to show that willingness to learn, then you are definitely going to be successful in a career in government. That's such good advice. And something I think we've talked about before on the pod is a lot of skills can be taught, but willingness to learn is something that you kind of have to bring with yourself. Absolutely. That's a great answer. Thank you. I think it might be a good time to jump into some rapid fire questions. Question one, if you could wake up tomorrow and be fluent in any language that you want, what language would you choose? This question is such a tease because I love learning languages. And if I had to choose like a superpower, I wouldn't be like, oh, I want to be invisible or I want to teleport. I feel like this would be the superpower that I would pick. So I love this question. I mean, I studied French, Punjabi, Spanish, but I would say that on my bucket list is I would love to visit Japan. So I am going to lock in Japanese uh, as the language I would choose to help me for a future trip. Great Great choice. choice. That is awesome. In a similar vein, you love to travel. What is your favorite place that you've traveled to or visited? One of my favorite places that I've traveled to was South Korea. So through the co-op program, I made a friend who was originally from South Korea, and she was a co-op student as well, an international student. And so after we graduated, she had always said, I want you to come and visit me. So we did. And it was honestly the best travel experience ever. I had a local guide. I got to see the day in the life in South Korea, um, but I also got to see all of the tourist attractions. Normally traveling to Asia for me can be a little tricky because I'm a vegetarian, but having a local guide there was definitely really helpful as she was able to help me find great eats and the best kimchi and bibimbap that I've ever had. And I also discovered some really interesting desserts. I'm now super obsessed with sweet potato, sweet potato latte, sweet potato ice cream, like you name it. But oh my goodness, that was such a great travel visit. That sounds amazing. I'm hungry. (laughs) For real. (laughs) But isn't it just the worst when you you go somewhere and you have the most amazing dish or meal that you just like cannot get back home and then it like haunts you. It's like the one that got away. I never would have even thought that sweet potato could go into so many things like a latte, sweet potato latte never crossed my mind. And now I'm desperate to try one. That's so cool. Okay, so you said you're a vegetarian. What's your favorite vegetarian dish? So I come from an Indian background, and I have to say 
Indian vegetarian food is the best. Like we were just like born to be vegetarian. So I would have to say Indian vegetarian food is unlike any other. Mm. Yum. <laughs> Sounds so good. Just having like paneer fantasies now in the middle of my work day. Absolutely. Oh, so good. Tell me about something that you are reading or watching or listening to right now. I love reading Brene Brown. I've been trying to listen to more clean energy podcasts now that I am working in the Innovative Clean Energy Fund. And to unwind, my guilty pleasure is watching reality TV. Yes. So that is definitely uh, how I've been spending uh, my time. I've heard some good things about Perfect Match. Haven't checked it out yet. But oh, it's a vibe. It's on the list. <laughs> okay, let's talk about hobbies a little bit. If you had a day where you didn't have anything you had to do, no responsibilities, no chores, no work, anything of that sort, what would you do with your day? It would definitely include an early start rising with the sun and then exploring probably a new cafe or after being a UVic student, I have a new appreciation for brunch because Victoria has the best brunch in the whole wide world. Brunch city. Yes, exactly. So I would definitely look at having a really nice brunch and then probably walk it off on a nice hike or by the water. Um, And then maybe having ice cream to just top it all off. That sounds like such an incredible restful, rejuvenating day. And I know what I'm doing this weekend. For real. It's Monday. It's Monday. And I'm like, how long until Saturday when I can go and do exactly that? (laughs) (laughs) So our last rapid fire question um, is a little bit more practical. What is one tip that you have for somebody who is about to graduate from university and is applying for their first career job? I would say portray your confidence, portray your willingness to learn. Job descriptions are often just a wish list, but if you can show that you are excited to learn, and if you are a student, then of course you have that, then you can definitely be successful when applying for your first job. So don't forget that and keep that confidence up. Amazing. That's great advice. It has been such a pleasure to chat with you today, Dea. Thank you so much for your time and for coming on to chat about your experience uh, working for the government and for sharing uh, some of the lessons that you've learned on your career journey. This has just been like such a delight and we've had so much fun. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Wishing all of the students or anyone listening to this all the best of luck. You got it. Thank you again. Workit is developed and distributed by Co-op and Career Services at the University of Victoria. The podcast is hosted by Katie DeCoste and Emma Elveland and produced by Katie, Emma, and Joy Poliquin. Today's guest was Dea Johal. Our theme music and art were created by Emma Elveland with audio editing by Emma Elveland. If you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe and you'll never miss an update. To learn more about career possibilities and resources from UVic, visit uvic.ca slash career dash services. 